Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of This Is How I Find My Peace. Today, I want to talk about brownness. And to do that, I have my college roommate, Lola, here with me. Lola is one of my best friends. She's incredibly talented. um, And she's someone who I've talked to a lot about my own insecurities with my brownness. So a little backstory about my brownness. I am Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican on both sides. Um, My mother's side is a lot lighter in their skin tone. They're very white passing. My father's side is not very white passing. They're a lot darker in their skin color. And I am a mix between the two kind of skin tones, Um, but I'm definitely darker. I'm definitely closer to my father's side. Um, And I grew up mainly with my mother's side. Um, So what that means is that when I was a kid at family parties, I was like usually the darkest kid in the room, like, (laughs) um, which isn't a bad thing, obviously, but it's something that I always noticed um, from a very young age. And it didn't help that when I watched TV shows on, on, you know, TV when I was a kid, um, everyone's white. Like they, they don't really like diversity in media is something that's kind of only just getting better. It's one of those early lessons of how much representation matters. Um, and I felt it my whole life. I grew up in, in white schools. I went to a a very, uh, white high school in Pennsylvania. I went to a very white college in New York. Um, and I've been the darkest kid in the room before. Um, and I have felt before like I needed to act in a certain way so that the negative connotations around somebody of my race um, didn't become a thing, didn't hinder me in the job market, didn't hinder me when I was applying for colleges or whatever it was. Um, and that's frustrating to grow up with. Um, so I've got Lola here today. And we're going to be talking about these frustrations um, and also really giving ourselves some space to also appreciate the beauty in our brownness and in the culture that's tied to it. Okay. Hi, Lola. Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for joining. (laughs) Oh my gosh, of course. I love the idea so much. Oh, thanks so much. Um, So when I decided to kind of do this series to talk about uh brownness and have this conversation I like could not think of anyone better than you and so <laughs> thanks so much for like just saying yes to doing this I'm really excited oh my gosh you're so kind I'm um, happy to be here I love it <laughs> so uh so first things first um I think when we get to the the conversation around brownness um sometimes like when we have that conversation with ourselves or um, what we see in the world around us, it, it can be not so nice. Um, and so before we like get into anything, I just want to talk about your heritage because sometimes we don't think about that and the beauty behind our brownness and the culture behind it. So can you tell me about your heritage? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Nigerian and I'm from Lagos. Like I live, I live in Lagos when I go back home and both my parents are from different states in Nigeria. So my mom is from Ondo states and my dad is from Oshun states mm-hmm. and even those two states have such rich histories so for me when I think of heritage I think of being Yoruba I think of my tribe I think of my language I think of how much we love parties I think of how much we love food and having a good time and how Yoruba people like dressing up and how we adorn ourselves so I think there's a lot of pride back home in being who we are mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, so when I think of my brownness in relation to my heritage, I think of just like queens in the villages and how they used to and I think of like regalness and how I'm so proud to be who I am. I'm so proud mm-hmm. to be Lola Ayodele because my name has a meaning. Um Olua Fumilola means God has given me wealth and mm-hmm. Ayodele means my joy has come and like all my siblings have names and meanings. Because Yoruba people really believe that your name has value and like whatever people call you is what you become. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do see that actually happening. So it's it's a privilege to be from where I'm from. That's how I honestly see my heritage. I love that so much. I think um, because I grew up in in white neighborhoods and white schools and I, I grew up always noticing my brownness. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think about the beauty and the culture behind where I'm from um, yeah. and my own Puerto Rican culture. Um, which is why I wanted to start this conversation off that way, because I think that's so beautiful, and I love hearing that. Wow. I also think there's no better time than now to dig mm-hmm. deep, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so many Puerto Rican women who don't have this conversation, who it's like, yeah. what's this? You're so beautiful, and the world really needs to hear what you have to say. Yeah. But I think even for people who haven't started talking about heritage, I think there's no better time than now to mm-hmm. look and see where am I from and, like, where am I going, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I look back, I can't believe how many years I, like, like avoided wearing hoops or or like small things anything that would like make me seem more hispanic or more puerto rican um Mm. but but i think you know i'm recognizing that now and i think it's really important to just be like wait a second that culture is beautiful like i just just to shut that conversation down now that i'm an adult you know Um, and then to also have this conversation for anyone who like is thinking like that because for so long i thought that that was normal wow i'm so inspired by your transparency because do you know that it happens in every culture for like black mm-hmm. women? It's I've heard somebody say the kind of hairstyles they wear at work are different from what they would originally wear. Mm-hmm. And then a second instance where someone told my sister she'd have the same hairstyle for seven years or something insane like that because she didn't want the white people at work to ask her about it. Mm-hmm. And both of us just sat there looking at each other like, you have been robbed of so much. Like, yeah. And it's like, sis, you are not here to please anybody. Like, do not temper down your spirits for any white co-worker, for any, like, regardless of the color, like, there's so much greatness in each of our cultures, like, personally, that I, I don't believe God makes mistakes, so I think when we try to be less, it's like, we're forgetting the greatness within, so it's, like, a really cool conversation to have, oh honestly. Gosh, I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, so, so we both went to college together, and our college was pretty white. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, well, even before I ask you, um, I think, I think it's, it's, it's obviously, I guess it's hard to, to notice when you're white. Like when everyone around you looks like you, I could see how you wouldn't notice it. Cause in my mm-hmm. senior year, one of my friends, um, turned to me and literally was like, it's so nice that our school's so diverse. And I was like, do you, do you think it is though? Yeah. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, hmm. Cause like, mm. and for me, like I've been the only brown kid in the class. I've been one of two brown kids in the class. Um, but so, so how did you find your experiences to be when we were in college? That's so interesting. Cause I work now, I'm the only black person on my team. Wow. And it's one of the, it, it's again, it's a double consciousness of being colored where I'm not even talking about code switching. It's just like, you're just very aware of what it means to be the only colored person. You're just aware of it. You're yeah. just so, and that's the thing is that people, okay, let me, hmm, how do I start? How do I say this? I'm always trying to make sure that I can explain things in a way that somebody who's not black can listen without being defensive. So I think the thing with double consciousness is that 
it kind of forces you to see the world as a white person. I see the world as a brown person mm-hmm. in the sense of like, I can like literally you verbatim just said to me, I can, I can see why you think it's diverse. You've had to put yourself in that place. You've almost had to empathize with people who are different from you to kind of mm-hmm. understand your landscape. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think with being the only brown person, you put your eyes into the, the person, like the, the majority color, right? You're like, hmm, what is it like on the other side? What is it like on this side? And I think it's so much energy that we use trying to be comfortable, trying to adapt that can be shared around if other colors were aware of what it's like to be the only. Like even like for me in Manhattan College, the way I saw it was like, it was such an isolating thing mentally, but you don't, you don't realize that's what it is. Because it was majority white and there were a lot of sports teams, I don't know how or why, but they ended up being like the people who were like the loudest. So mm-hmm. even when you were in like cafeterias, it was these white guys making noise and like very boisterous. And it just seemed like all the colored people were just trying to get out of the way, which is was just kind of weird because I was like, you don't even realize how uncomfortable you are really until you kind of step out and you're just like, hmm, there's something going on here. I can't quite put yeah. my fingers on, you know? Uh-huh. And and the thing that I kind of think about a lot is like, um, like just my own projections. Like I'm sure I've walked into a room and I've been the only brown person and no mm. one else has really noticed. Mm. Um, but I've projected on the room because mm. I've dealt with this my whole life, you know? Yeah. So my, like in our senior year, or my senior year, because you were ahead of me. Um, in my senior year, I was the only uh, person of color on a board. And I was also the highest position on the board. So I would walk in and, you know, it, it was the first thing I felt and, and I wanted to walk in and I wanted to be like, I think we should do this and kind of like, you know, be that kind of boss and fit that role. But I would walk in and I would always feel small because I just didn't see myself in the room. Oh, man. Um, I just cheer you on for even being in that place. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it really is like pioneering work, man. Like when you're the mm-hmm. first of something. Yeah. And it just, it's one of those things that just shows me how much representation matters and like even uh, at that age of like, mm. like then I was probably like 22 walking into that room and, and like, you know, these people never said anything to me that made me feel less than, but just being in there and not seeing myself and knowing that these people didn't share um, my experiences, the way that I see in the world and where I come from, like at all. And like always having to be like, like the first to say things in my own way, if that makes sense, like with my own experiences. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, just oh, that yeah, you just, it, it, that you just don't see yourself in it. And you know that what you're saying is like the first or. No, you're completely making so much sense. So okay. um, somebody told me, okay. How to, yeah. So I'm writing an article for this company. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about beauty and hair. And one of the questions I was asked or like have to ask myself and other people is what was it like the first time you saw yourself on screen? And I was like, wow. I think for me, the thing that clocked was watching Insecure and seeing Issa Rae. Because she was the first dark-skinned Black woman for me to see on screen with her, with my hair texture that wasn't trying to cover it up. Like, Issa Rae was out there with her baby fro, rocking it, proud, like, having meetings, planning events. And for me, something kind of switched in my head. Because I was like, wait, what, what have I been watching since? It's like when you see a girl for the first time in a long time, you're like, oh my days, I've just been seeing people who are completely different from me and I've just not been able to relate. And it kind of creates a sense of alienation in yourself because it's like you don't see yourself in those roles. It's it's almost like it limits you in Mm -hmm. a way. That's why I was like, I think pioneering pioneering is such important work because you're pushing boundaries or like you're stepping into rooms that 
otherwise would be completely right like and it's your perspective is necessary because no one has seen the things that you've seen no one sees the world the way you see it no one mm-hmm. understands things the way you do so it's like we need more diverse voices in the room just for the betterment of the company it's not just a, like let's mix it up it's like no really there's value in the yeah. room when it's more diverse yeah um I remember when I, when uh, The Force Awakens Star Wars came out and I went to see it and I was like 18 um, and, and Poe Dameron is played by um, a, a Spanish man and, and um, Finn is pay- played by a black man and they had a more diverse cast than what I'd seen in the past. And I remember seeing it and coming back from it and being like, well, I look like I could be in Star Wars. And I had never wow. felt that before. Oh my, I just got chills. That's such a beautiful realization. And that's just, that doesn't happen for us all the time. And so I'm sure other yeah. people have watched movies and like, they could always see those movies like in their lives. Like they could see them, they can see themselves in it. But it's like, you just don't get that when you're not, when you're a minority. You, you don't you know, see you yourself don't. that way. You literally like, let me tell you something. So <laughs> I was doing research and I don't know if I'm going to include it because it was so heartbreaking. I was looking at the cover of LUK magazine and I went back to like 2012 Amber, guess how many black women I saw on the cover in the span of like 12 years or was it eight years? Two. I counted two black women. And guess what? They had white features. Like if you change the color on Photoshop, they literally could have been white women. And I was like, so not only are you not diverse, not only are you pushing the same color on like the universe but it's like you're telling us that we have to specifically have narrow features like it was just it was almost comical because it's just like are you serious right now like yeah there's also this thing with like white passing so it's like minority people who are also like 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 that make you comfortable basically that'll look too different do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like oh absolutely and and actually that's one thing just continuing with Star Wars I was looking at recently um so, so Finn, um, who, who's played by an African man, and then, um, what's her name? Rose, who's played by an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. Those two characters were like, like Star Wars really hyped them up. Like they were like going to be these amazing characters and that the Star Wars like universe was getting more diverse. And then ultimately within the, the last trilogy, those characters were sidelined. Their stories never really came out. Oh. And it, you could just tell as it was going through that like um, Star Wars had, had tried to like be diverse and try to jump on this like diverse bus, but ultimately like didn't know how to deal with it or didn't put the amount of time that should have been put into it mm-hmm. to you know to really like make them shine. Like they ended up just putting them to the side, and like the main white characters got these like great stories. And do you know what I'm finding is that mm-hmm. the more they keep telling the same, and that's the thing, it's not to be dismissive, but like the more you keep telling white stories, it's like the less known you're allowing that like. I don't okay. Hmm. Okay, so like for let me give an instance. Like for me now in my workplace, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what movies have these people around me seen that kind of tells a Nigerian story? Mm, I can guess zero. Mm-hmm. So not only are they not gonna understand me from the jump, but I've spent my life watching movies about their upbringing. Mm-hmm. I can tell you the structure of a suburban middle class American, but it's like, is it the other way around? So I think even with the Star Wars like attempts. If you had diverse people at the top, it wouldn't have been hard to tell the story. Uh, I think when you're literally trying, you're like, "Mm, everybody's doing it. Maybe we should kind of throw a little dabble in there. Then it's inauthentic and it doesn't Mm -hmm. last. But if the organization itself has people who are from diverse backgrounds, it wouldn't be hard. I mean, you're asking one of your CEOs, can you come tell us your story and help us shine light on what it's like to be 
different in a world that's like constantly trying to tell you that you're different mm-hmm. so I think diversity and authenticity has to go to the top it cannot just be a conversation you have to hire yeah. people who are different from you because you value what they have to say you know yeah yeah I was I was just looking at something recently and it said um like within tech companies because I'm in a tech field that hiring like more diverse employees um you create more diverse innovation and innovation Ooh. that that like more people are going to find useful ultimately huh yeah that's a beautiful con- but, literally but it's wild that that's such a profound thing that it's wild that i read that and i was like wow wow like, why is that even something that's hard for us to grasp like right now no you're completely right literally melinda gates said something similar on um david letterman she was like we need diverse people building these apps because the internet reaches everyone so then if they are the ones creating it, they're reaching people who understand what they're saying. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like retweet because that is so real. You know? I know. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you kind of touched on this earlier, but so now as a working woman, how do you feel in your brownness? To be honest, mm-hmm. I would want to say that, you know, every day I'm this like African black queen and like shout out to the power well, some days I feel it. I feel the otherness. I feel the, hmm, they're all white and I feel strange. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because it's not a conversation, because it's not predominant of the minds of people who don't experience it, sometimes you can feel like it's not worthy of a conversation. But I do think this is important, like this conversation we're having. Like, yeah. all in all, I love being brown. Um, and I'm consciously speaking life over myself these days, like, looking in the mirror and affirming myself with like words from the bible and i find that the way i see myself is changing like Mm -hmm. i'm feeling more powerful i'm feeling calmer when people come at me it doesn't feel like it has as much weight as it did before Mm -hmm. Uh, because i used to think i needed like the people like validation from people to feel beautiful or like be myself but i'm finding like all that's shedding and i'm feeling more powerful in who i am Mm -hmm. so it's definitely a journey of like empowerment and I do feel like I'm becoming stronger in my brownness I think brownness is beautiful but I think believing that for yourself is journey in its own right so that's where I am and I'm like (laughs) because you know what you're like oh that brown lady's so beautiful but it's like "Mm, do you believe that for yourself oh yeah literally so I'm just trying to get honest with myself and be like okay lols like you are beautiful and God makes no mistakes and you're you know wonderfully and creatively made you're the apple of his eye so I'm in the process of affirming the truth because all the unhealthy narratives that I've seen, you know, they've, they've spread the same image that like the one woman is beautiful, but I don't believe that to be true. I think we are all beautiful. So that's where I'm in my brownness. I'm like learning to embrace what I see in the mirror and who I see in the mirror. Yeah. I, I love that you're saying that uh, not every day is amazing. Like you don't wake up every day and you're like, this is great. I love my brownness. Like, yeah, there are days like you have to keep you, it real. Yeah. You have to work through it. Um, I mean, there are days for me where I walk into a room or, I want to do something bold um, and and it those thoughts are in my head like, oh, can you do this? Are you going to be this little like brown girl walking in the room and you know what the rest of the room looks like? And it's just about breaking those each time. Absolutely. The more you kick them down, the more natural it feels to kick them. Yeah. Because it's like if you let them bully you, it's just like you will remain small. And yeah. I think also including people in this dialogue, because sometimes we think these unhealthy thoughts are normal but they're not so I think we need to have other people point them out and be like that's actually not okay to say that to yourself like that's yeah. pretty insulting like you have another, to yeah another reason why I decided to have this conversation because um 
in deciding these kind of uh, topics for this podcast, I'm like, what makes me the most uncomfortable or what makes me the most like, do other people think that too? Because most of the time they do. <laughs> well, no, literally like hearing your experiences, I'm like, that sounds pretty accurate to what I feel too. Like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, I'm so happy you did this, honestly. Like, I can't wait to hear your other conversations with other people of color because I'm also interested and curious and excited to hear what they've yeah. learned along the way and how we can help each other. Yeah, so this is a series I'd like to keep going. And and I, I've been thinking about, like, the women that have been, like, influential to me, too. And a lot of them mm-hmm. have been, like, like friends of ours from college. So let's see how that goes. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's going to be amazing. What do you mean? I know that's going to be great. I, I can't wait till we have, like, a, a couple episodes of, like, you know, all our friends. Maybe we can do, like, a get-together with everyone. Yes. Yeah. I also love the fonts. Like, I saw it and I was like, yum. Like, these colors are gorgeous. Thank you so much. <laughs> Microsoft Word. Um. <laughs> no, don't downplay it, y'all. Amber is super talented. I can't wait for you to see what she created. Shameless um, plug. This is cool. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so talking about creating things. Um, I had the amazing honor of being your roommate in college. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, I have seen you create amazing things um, from the fashion show, which I got to walk for you in, in one of your the outfits that you created, which was amazing. Um, I've seen you take amazing photos. I've seen you draw amazingly. I've seen you write amazing things. And now lately I'm seeing you create amazing videos. So before I ask you where your art is now, where we can find you, um, I have to ask, how do you so easily create these things? You move from one thing to another and you make it look so like effortless. Wow. First off, you're so kind. Thank you for your compliments. Um, It's so fascinating to hear the outside perspective because for me, my mediums of expression are me processing. So often in in the world, when I don't understand something, I move to art. So for Mm -hmm. me, for clothes, I didn't understand beauty. I didn't understand why I couldn't find things for myself. Um, I went to stores and I was constantly feeling like I was too short, I was too thick, I was too this. So then I was like, why don't I just make one shirt for myself? And somehow evolved into this line um, going to fabric stores and feeling the Holy Spirit like inspire me to make pieces. So that mm-hmm. one started from dissatisfaction. I couldn't find things for myself. Um, drawing, when I started drawing portraits of myself, I felt like I was losing my grip on reality in the sense of like college was getting a lot. I felt kind of weird. So then I found when I started drawing on gum gum wrappers, I felt more grounded. I remember that. I loved that. Yeah, that's like my favorite series that I've ever done, honestly. Yeah. It's like, so it all it's fascinating but it's like my art is a solution to problems that I have mm-hmm. um taking pictures again I find sometimes I can get a little ungrateful so when I capture something I feel thankful for it so I'm just like oh my gosh wow look at that tree it's so beautiful um so yeah I honestly think the art that I create is their solutions like they help me be grateful mm. um it helps ground me it's also like a reminder of God's world and the awe and wonder that's around me Because I think a lot of times we rush past the goodness of life and the goodness of God. So like everything I create is in some form, shape or way trying to remind me of what already exists. Mm. Um, Even these videos that I started taking, it's a reminder that like, wow, there's so much magic around me that I didn't create or deserve. So it's like when I'm rewatching those videos, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my family. Like, Like it's a, it's a, it's like it prompts me to look back to God, you know. So that's yeah. That whoa. <laughs> I love that because I know. Questions. I know when I like uh, create something or go to create something, I feel like I only create stuff that I'm really proud of, 
mm-hmm. when I give myself time for reflection. And so you need to take that time to sit down and it makes you go slow and it makes you be more appreciative. That's so true. Also mm-hmm. an encouragement not to wait for it to be perfect to share with the world. Um, Cause I think sometimes the act of sharing itself is liberating. Mm-hmm. Cause especially with my writing, like I find that when I release it into the world and again, because I'm not as active with my words on Instagram, I don't see immediate feedback. So it's mainly on my website, which is a lot quieter, but mm-hmm. it's so transforming like writing things putting it out there like i can't explain that self-satisfaction because at the end of the day it's like you're doing it for you so i would encourage like all the people listening if you have things that you enjoy doing don't wait for the applause share it like it's a beautiful journey to create and like it also helps you process i promise oh my gosh yeah i feel that a lot with this podcast like i could you know go through a thousand things in the last couple like episodes where i'm like i think this was wrong i think the audio was off mm. here i think that, you know you can tell yourself a million reasons why you shouldn't do something but you know you just gotta throw it out there you just yeah. gotta be bold enough you just gotta be nice enough to yourself to let yourself create absolutely literally something my therapist said to me this week or no last week was that it's also insulting to be degrading to yourself she was like i don't know why people think because it's you you get to say crap things to yourself Mm-hmm. Which was like, you're making the image of God. So why do you get to insult yourself? And that kind of shifted things for me. Because like, whenever the negative self-talk wants to come, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to insult myself. Like, it just, like, I don't know. There was such power in that self-awareness of seeing like, no, maybe I'm not going to insult myself today. And I'm actually going to try to be gracious and kind and gentle. You know? Oh my gosh, it matters. Yeah, I, I, I remember um, I used to do this thing. I should probably do it again. Um, I think I talked about this on your podcast, but like I think freshman year I read somewhere like you should you talk to your don't like only talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend. Like, you know, your friend wouldn't say that. And mm. I remember if I caught myself saying something mean to myself, I'd be like, Lola wouldn't say that to me. Like, <laughs> like your friends would never berate you. So why do it to yourself? Literally, you got to be your own best friend, you know? <laughs> real. They say, bro, that's honestly one of my life goals to mm. continue doing is being comfortable in myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding that um, a lot now that I live alone, that I'm graduated. You know, I don't have all my roommates um, in a room together. Yeah. Um, like just like when... I think you told me this, like who, who's, uh, where's that coming from? Like those negative thoughts of like, cause I've had them with just being alone, just being like, uh, nervous to be by myself or like, Oh, what am I doing? Um, and I've had to learn how to be my own best friend. And I've had to think about where is that coming from? Is that coming from my own insecurities with myself? Because now I can face them, you know? Wow. That's such a powerful thing to hear you say. Hmm. And I know so many people are going to be blessed by that internal dialogue. Like, where is this coming from? Like, who was the first person to be condescending to me? And mm-hmm. like, how can we go back to that place and grieve that experience? Because a lot of times I think we're walking with wounds that we don't think are worthy enough to grieve. But it's like, you need to pause and address the things that have traumatized you, the things that have scared you, the things that make you see the world the way you do. Mm-hmm. And worthy work. Like, that's what I'm doing right now in my own life. It's like healing through trauma, trying to have these conversations and also being gracious with myself. Like, I think it has a lot to do with like brownness and beauty and self-worth and faith and God and like life in general is like pausing to reflect on where you've been, where you're coming from and ultimately where you're going. Oh my gosh. I love that. Oh my gosh, Lola. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I Such love a this. privilege to be here. Thank you so much. Um, can you tell us where we can find you and what you're creating at the moment? 
Yes, beautiful people. So my website, lolaayodele.com, L-O-L-A-A-Y-O-D-E-L-E, has everything. So my poetry, my drawings, my um, podcast, everything is linked on there. So follow, follow, follow. And um, what I'm currently working on is I'm writing. I'm writing for this publication started by Zoe Saldana. So it's a Puerto Rican uh, magazine. And basically, they share the stories of people of color. So I'm really excited to write pieces for them, to take pictures. And I have an exhibition coming up in November for the other art fair. I love Um, that. Yeah. So I'm excited to be sharing my film pictures and I'm going to make a book, a poetry book and a picture book. And the whole basis is just like being still and acknowledging what's around us. So I'm very excited to call people to rest in the exhibition. Like even when they just read the words that I put on the wall, I just want them to take a deep breath. So I'm really excited for that. So yeah, find me on my website. I'm very happy <laughs> to be on this podcast and just like share with you all what I'm learning. Oh, thank you so much, Laura. Thanks for hearing all those things that you're doing. Yes, look at the Lord making ways in this corona. Even, oh gosh, even with yes. the pandemic, great things are happening. Oh my gosh, yes, they are. I know that they will all turn out amazing. Amen. I'm, I'm hopeful for it, honestly. Have such a lovely day, beautiful human. You too. Bye, Laura. Thank you so much for listening to the third episode of This Is How I Find My Peace and the first episode of Color. See you all next time.